This message is brought to you by 12 Stone Church. Pastor Trey Hildebrandt delivers the teaching entitled Discontentment. This is the second message in the series, I'm Okay, I'm Okay, Everything is Fine, The Truth About the Anxiety Lie. We hope this serves you well. Please enjoy. Well, happy Sunday after Thanksgiving, 12 Stone. How are we doing? You guys good? So I know this past weekend we get to celebrate a lot, but we get to lean into the number one uh, celebrated pastime in our country's history, eating. So I, w- I want to get started with a turkey vote in the room. We're going to have some, some votes. So raise your hand with a turkey that kind of represents how you like to have your Thanksgiving turkey prepared. Don't fight anybody on the, on the road that disagrees with you. So number one, how many of you would say you just like an old-fashioned baked turkey? Just in the oven baked turkey. Okay, what about maybe a smoked turkey? You know, like a big green egg or something like that? How about fried. Who loves the fried turkey? There's my people. So together we're going to hit a lap around the church before we get started in our teaching today. <laughs> no, we really, we hope that you enjoyed your Thanksgiving. Today we're in a series called I'm Okay, I'm Okay, Everything's Fine, where we're being honest with the, the fact that sometimes things aren't okay and sometimes things aren't fine. And so where do you go? What do you do when things aren't okay and everything is not fine? Well, one of the first things I want to reemphasize that Jason mentioned last week is that 12 Stone is the type of church where it's okay not to be okay, where it's okay to admit that everything is not fine. But in this two-week series, we hope that you see that God wants to help us walk through these not okay seasons. So I want to recap a little bit of where Jason started us off last week with a quick little diagram that he drew for us that I get to close the loop on today. So if you didn't see last week's teaching, go online, check it out, 12stone.com slash watch. Jason said that many of us start our lives at me. And so we see our problems, we see our stress, we see uh, the things in our lives that are pushing and pulling and making us a little bit uncomfortable. And what happens is anxiety begins to rise in our lives. But praise invites us to lift our eyes off of ourselves and onto God. Psalm 121 says, I lift my eyes up to the hills. Where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. So praise is recognizing who God is. And if we can recognize who God is through praise in our lives, we're going to be able to break through some anxious seasons. Today I get to close the loop with this idea of thanks and thanksgiving, believing that if praise recognizes who God is, thanksgiving remembers what God has done. So we lift our eyes up to God in praise, but remember that he has stepped down into our lives with thanksgiving. And we know and we believe that that's going to be so important to who we are in our lives if we can find a way to remember God for what he's done in Thanksgiving. And, and before I go any further, some of you are thinking, r- real creative, you're gonna teach on Thanksgiving the Sunday after Thanksgiving. Well, let me lean in for a second and encourage you. If you allow real Thanksgiving to be, to kind of settle in your heart, I think there could be real breakthrough in your life. Real breakthrough in your life. 
Last week, Jason helped us walk through some of the practical thoughts on praise. And so today we're going to dig into some of the practical thoughts and the value of thanksgiving in our lives. And to help us get there, we're going to lean into a fun conversation that our senior pastor, Kevin Myers, had with one of our worship pastors, Chris Morgan. If you know Chris Morgan, you know that he is a masterful wordsmith and he's going to be able to talk about thanksgiving in a way that only he can. So this will help frame our teaching. Check it out. Chris, I love talking worship with you. You have kind of a King David soul and King David knew things that I think often escape us. A couple of things that really would transform our life. So Chris, last week we talked about uh, praise. This week, let's talk about Thanksgiving. If you had to define what is Thanksgiving uh, in life, in the role of worship, talk about Thanksgiving. Right on. Well, whereas praise is recognizing God for who he is, thanksgiving is remembering what he's done for us. And so, um, you know, when we think about what Christ has done for us, I mean, I think that the, my first thoughts anyway go to what God has done for us on the cross through the Lord Jesus Christ, that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. And so I think the movements of the gospel become very rich diving boards into gratitude. And when we achieve gratitude, then we give the gift of thanksgiving back to God. And so these very rich things like uh, forgiveness of sin and, and grace and atonement and redemption, these are very rich places to cultivate gratitude. But God's done that for everybody. Right. So also in thanksgiving is the place where we remember the things he specifically done for me. Mm-hmm. You know, Psalm 34 says, I sought the Lord and he answered me. Like, and so I look at my life and I can see places where the love of God and the presence of God and the rescue of God has come down. This God, I mean, this, this God that we spent time in praise, uh, uh, you know, associating the appropriate value to him. Now we realize that that greatness has reached down to where I am. Mm-hmm. Scripture says he stooped down to make me great. That's incredible. That's incredible. And so I think really fundamentally, that's what Thanksgiving is. It's remembering what God, who is exalted and high, has done for me, who is humble and low. And that's what David was doing in those psalms that you were recalling. He was sending Thanksgiving back to the God who answered his prayer. Now, it's it sounds easy to do, but there's some challenges in thanksgiving and giving thanks. Talk about a little bit. What are some of the challenges in that? Well, I do think that fundamentally thanksgiving is a little bit more accessible to our to our hearts and our soul than praises, because in praise, we're trying to elevate our perspective. In uh, thanksgiving, really, we're just kind of from the place we are, we're looking at our lives and just remembering and going like, what has God done? Or knowing the stories of the Bible and the things that he teaches about the gospel, what has God done for me? Now, I will say this, if I find that my heart is hardened towards God or I'm angry at God, I think, I think Thanksgiving at that point does become very elusive. Uh, but I think when we find ourselves there, we just go back over into praise because um, we're probably locked in that self-reliant bubble that we talked about last week. And praise breaks that. And, when, and if we can then, uh, again, appreciate God for who he is, thanksgiving will come. Yeah. Thanks, because when we break self-reliance and we begin to give God the credit and surrender our hearts to him, then our recognition of what he's done for us, it will flow. And when gratitude flows, then we can give the gift of thanksgiving 
back to God. And when you break the back of that self-reliance, you get honest about the kindness of God. You start recalling the things you could not do for yourself, That's you right. have not done for yourself. That's right. And you see the size and the kindness and the mercy and the compassion of God. That's right. And it, it, it shifts your soul. As we were uh, talking about this in the early times, you wrote something and sent it to me. It was so strong. Uh, I asked you to bring that. Did you Did you bring that? Can you read sure that? Okay. Would, would you? I think this will bless people. This well, helps us. Yeah, it contrasts praise and thanksgiving. Mm -hmm. So praise recognizes God for who he is, while thanksgiving remembers what he's done. Praise focuses more on the nature of God, while thanksgiving more on the activity of God. The experience of praise is wonder toward God. The experience of thanksgiving is peace from God. The texture of praise is, God, you can, while the texture of thanksgiving is, I can't, but you already have for me. Praise is the gatekeeper of awe. Thanksgiving is the gatekeeper of joy. Praise inspires a sense of holiness, while thanksgiving uh, inspires spiritual closeness with God. Come on. And chew on that all day long. That's good. Thank you. We could, we could chew on that for a little bit. Chris does such a good job of unpacking some of the deeper truths of Thanksgiving. And, and it really stirred something in me when I got to watch that conversation. And partially because I know that Thanksgiving is that thing that I lean into only one time, of one time a year. But what if we could bring the act of Thanksgiving into who we are, make it a habit of our lives? I think God would use something like that to overcome a felt need in our lives. Last week, Jason taught us how praise can overcome anxiety in our lives. Today, we're going to learn how thanksgiving overcomes discontentment. Discontentment. Discontentment is that feeling of not having enough, maybe not being enough. Maybe there's something missing in your life, or, or maybe you even resonate with the word empty. When you think about a season, maybe now, maybe in the past, where you've known something that you desired or something that you felt like you wanted or needed just wasn't there. And we don't have to sit in this very long before you begin to resonate with this idea of discontent because, because we've all been there. At some level or another, we've all experienced it in our lives. And so today we have one conviction. We have one conviction together, and it's that we would grow thankfulness to break through discontentment. It's right there on the top of your notes, that we would grow thankfulness to break through discontentment. But before we get to a teaching on Thanksgiving, we all need to agree that discontentment maybe is or, or can undo your life. Discontentment brings real damage into our lives. But first, let me give you a couple of easy, easy examples. Maybe you've realized this, maybe you haven't. The entire advertisement industry is literally banking on our discontentment this time of year. On TV, on and social media, on internet, wherever. They're banking on us having something that we love, seeing a cool commercial. The thing that we once loved turns into junk and we want that next thing. The advertisement industry is literally banking on that. And growing up, there was a magazine that would come in the mail once a year that was banking on the discontent, discontentment of children everywhere. It was the Sears toy catalog. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? The Sears toy catalog? Here's a picture of this year's Sears toy catalog. My brother and I, we would get this year over year. And we'd sit on the couch and we'd take out a marker and we'd make sure we circled really big the toys that we wanted. 
And no matter how many awesome things we had stashed somewhere in the house, so many incredible games and toys, when that Sears toy catalog came, we knew that all of that was worth nothing and we needed to get the new thing and then we'd annoy mom and dad long enough to where we get, got some of, some of those things. But then we press in just a, just a hair deeper and, and I want some of you will resonate with this. You're UGA football fans and you haven't won a national championship since 1980 and you're really empty because of it. And, and I'm sorry, I'm sorry. And that, that's on you. I don't know what to do. Maybe it's on Mark Richter. I don't know. But you, you feel that. I'm a Florida State fan, so we've had a rough year. But, um, but what about this? Somebody just booed me. No. Uh-uh. We've had three national championships since 1980. But, uh, but what about this? A little more serious. You've dated losers for years and you're wondering where your knight in shining armor is. Or maybe you haven't found the girl of your dreams and you need that relationship or you think you do. Maybe you've paid your dues at work and you're not at the role or the pay that you think you deserve. Or your marriage isn't once what it was, isn't now what it once was, and you know that something is missing. Or you don't have blank, or it's your turn to be blank. Or, or maybe spiritually, you've prayed and you've prayed and you've prayed, and you've asked God and you've come to church, and there's this thing that you're, you're putting before him, and he's just not answering. And so you're asking questions of like, God, are you even real? Discontentment on any level can undo marriages, Faith, careers, churches, relationships, friendships, and everything in between. Discontentment is so undoing. But why? Why is discontentment so undoing? Well, I, I think it's because discontentment robs us of joy. Robs us of what? Joy. And as we feel joy slip away in our lives, we start clamoring through life, searching for the next, for the new, for a change in our relationship or in our circumstances, hoping that this feeling of discontentment will get satisfied. But no amount of more, no more money, a promotion, a change in relationship and circumstances, no amount of more can give breath in life like Thanksgiving can. So we believe that thankfulness and thanksgiving would be central to a breakthrough in discontentment because those things are connected deeply to joy. Did you hear it in the conversation with PK? Chris said this, and it's gonna be kind of our theme for today, is that thanksgiving is the gatekeeper of joy. Thanksgiving is the gatekeeper of joy because joy in, in cannot be solved by external additions. It's only something about an internal transformation. And once we begin to understand discontentment, we begin to see the freedom that can come from thanksgiving and the joy that can birth out of that thanksgiving. We were preparing for today's teaching and we stumbled on a video that, that I thought just gave us a clear picture of what a thankful life might look like. When I say a thankful life, literally thankful for everything. I think you'll enjoy this. Check it out. <laughs> I'm alive! I'm alive! Yeah? Yeah! Oh, yeah. Hey, Christine! You're here too! I love you! I know! Dad! What's happening? Uh, honey, the power works! It's coming! It goes on and off! Whatever we want! <laughs> We've got clean water! 
fun video, isn't it? Yeah. You can learn a little bit of something about being thankful. But even in the silliness of that video, you can feel the breath that Thanksgiving could have in your life, couldn't you? And in the book of Psalm, in the middle of the Bible, we get to see this theme in scripture and some of the poems that make up the Psalm of Thanksgiving. And many of the Psalm were written by a man named David, King David, who scripture calls is a man after God's own heart. But even though he's a man after God's own heart, he struggled with this discontentment bit pretty often. And so if you read through the uh, Old Testament books of the Bible and through the Psalm, you see that he's often on this roller coaster of emotions where he's on the top of the mountain in life victories. And then often he's at the bottom of the mountain in the valley with a feeling of discontentment and frustration with himself and with God and with others. And since the book of Psalm is really uh, a reflection of David's spiritual journey, we get to see the theme, namely Thanksgiving, and how it rallied his heart back to joy in discontent seasons. So we're going to be specifically today in Psalm uh, 100 and Psalm 103. We're going to flip back and forth. Your finger might get a little tired, but I promise, stay with me. It's going to make sense. We're going to start in Psalm 103, and we're going to read through all five verses. It's on page 597 in your worship center Bible. So read with me as I walk through uh, this joyful moment in David's life. Psalm 100, verse 1. Shout for joy to the Lord, all the earth. Worship the Lord with gladness. Come before him with joyful songs. Know that the Lord is God. It is he who made us and we are his. We are his people, the sheep of his pasture. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and praise his name. For the Lord is good and his love endures forever and his faithfulness continues through all generations. And we see it there for ourselves. Thanksgiving is the gatekeeper of joy. There is something about giving thanks that unlocks joy in our heart. The scripture says, enter his gates with thanksgiving. And, and what do gates do? Gates separate, separate off a, a, a space, a different place, oftentimes protecting something on the inside. And so there's this boundary protecting something on the inside. And what scripture is teaching us here is that properly engaged thanksgiving opens up the door, unlocks the gate into which we can get more into the presence of God where joy is easily found. And we see David, even as he's walking, talking about entering these gates with thanksgiving, there's something about joy as he's singing about it as he's going in. You see it in the scripture. Shout for joy with gladness, with joyful songs. You know, thanksgiving does something in the way of helping us gain access to the presence and the joy of God. Maybe this will help. I like to write things out. It helps me understand things a little bit better. So we have this idea of discontentment. 
and thanksgiving. And as I've already said, discontentment robs us of joy. So it's joyless. I'll say robs us. Robs joy. While thanksgiving leads to joy, we could say it fuels joy. And every day we have a decision to make as to which one of these is gonna gain voice in our lives. Which one of these are we going to listen to? Are we gonna lean into the discontent areas of our life and have joy robbed from us? Are we going to slow down and remember God's activity in our lives and the things that we can be thankful for, which begins to fuel joy? And we all want a joyful life. We all want to be, to, to have that, to have joy in our lives. And so every day we have to wake up and make a decision. What will I listen to? Well, I listen to thanksgiving or will I listen to discontentment? And before we go much further though, I, I feel like I need to make a distinction, a distinction between uh, happiness and joy because we often get the feeling of happiness confused with the presence of joy. Scripture often uses the word joy while culture tends to use the word happiness. Happiness is emotional and fleeting while joy is steady and sure. You think about the things that make you happy, whether it's your favorite food. You know, if I had you close your eyes and think of your favorite food, many of you would begin to smile and you wouldn't even know it. Or maybe it's, it's a, a raise at work or your favorite sports team winning or, or losing a couple of pounds. Or for me, it's listening to that first Christmas song in October, which is when I get started, because Christmas just makes me happy. But happy is oftentimes just connected to a feeling. And so often we say, I, I, I just want a moment of happiness. You've said that before. And so we chase a feeling. But joy, joy is not in the emotions first. Joy is first in the spirit. Happiness is circumstantial while joy is in identity. Joy is higher than happiness. We can be joyful even if we aren't happy. And the, the two, you can't get the two confused. We can't replace happy with joy. We oftentimes find ourselves trying to force the feeling of happy into the space of our lives reserved for joy and happy cannot replace joy. The strength of your walk with God is that you can sustain a life of joy. Let me give you that promise today. No matter your circumstances, the strength of your walk with God is that you can sustain a life of joy and it's connected with your ability to be thankful. So Chris taught us and unpacked some of the deeper truths on Thanksgiving and I get to lean into a journey, a, a process even of growing joy through Thanksgiving and overcoming discontentment. You'll see that in your notes. We wanna grow joy through Thanksgiving by I'll give you three simple ways you can grow joy through Thanksgiving in your life. Some handlebars for today's teaching that I hope that you'll carry into your everyday life. The first one, we wanna grow joy through Thanksgiving by remembering. By remembering. You wanna skip over from Psalm 100 to Psalm 103. We're gonna skip between these two Psalms a couple more times. But in Psalm 100, the next page over, I wanna read the first two verses. Praise the Lord, my soul, and all my inmost being praise his holy name. Praise the Lord, my soul, and forget not all of his benefits. Forget not. Say that with me. Forget not. If Thanksgiving remembers what God has done, so not giving thanks, at the core of not giving thanks would be forgetting. 
At the core of not giving thanks would be forgetting. And if you look through scripture, you see this theme of remembering. In fact, the phrase, the command to remember is the most frequent command in all of scripture. Why? Well, I think for a number of reasons, but one of them is because we, we slip easily to a negative view of life. I mean, how quickly can we forget a good thing? I mean, think about it in some of your conversations. Somebody might give you a compliment, but in the next conversation, it's out of your mind and you've forgotten about it. But if someone insults you, it sticks. So I began to think about this idea that we tend to slip towards the negative view of life. And I found a study in a magazine called Psychology Today uh, by, uh, done out of Ohio State University that I think was in, that's insightful. I'm going to read part of the, the study. It says, why do insults hurled at us stick inside our skulls, sometimes for decades? Why do some people have to work extra hard to ward off depression? The answer is for the same reason political smear campaigns outpull positive ones. Nastiness just makes a bigger impact on our brains, and that is due to the brain's negative bias. Your brain is simply built with a greater sensitivity to unpleasant news. So the guy goes on to, to perform an experiment and he gets several volunteers and he hooks their, their, their brains up to this electro uh, measure and starts beginning to, to measure the electric activity in their minds. And what he does is he shows them images of things that are supposed to be positive, negative, and neutral. So he shows these people a positive image and he shows them a pizza and a Ferrari, positive. But then he shows them a negative image. Bear with me, a dead cat. And if... And if that makes you feel positive, then we got issues we need to talk after the service. And then you have, you have neutral. He showed him a picture of a hairdryer and a plate. And what he found was when we looked at negative images, when these people looked at negative images, the electrical activity in the brain just spiked. Your brain is more prone to, to be more active in negative things. And he finishes the article by saying this, thus our attitudes are more heavily influenced by downbeat news than good news. Some of you are like, oh, that, that makes sense. So here's what this means. If we tilt towards discontentment, we're going to have to work at Thanksgiving. We have to actively fight off the negative by remembering and thanking God for what he has done in our lives. Because when we're passive with Thanksgiving, we will miss and we'll forget some of the best things in life. Author Brene Brown says it like this. I will practice gratitude to access joy. I will practice gratitude to access joy. So what would it look like to actively practice this? Let's call it a, let's call it a Thanksgiving exercise. And I know that maybe that's not your favorite word right now, but a Thanksgiving exercise, because there's gonna take something of intentionality, begin to bring thankfulness to the, to the front of your life. So what I mean by Thanksgiving exercise is literally getting in front of a journal or an iPad or something like that and beginning to write out the things that you're thankful for. And there's something freeing about seeing these things written down as you begin to literally count your blessings. And as you count your blessings by writing them out, joy finds a really fertile place in your heart. In prepping for today's teaching, PK asked me to do just that. PK said, Trey, I need you to sit down. I want you to practice this with your journal. So I, I sat down one day and I began to write. And I had such a sweet time remembering how good God really is. And there seem to be two ways of sorting these things out in my life. And I think this will be helpful for you if you were to go home and actually give this Thanksgiving exercise a shot. Two ways that I think we can separate the things that we should be thankful for in life. The first is universal. 
These are things that are true of the nature of God that are showered on anyone who would receive them from God to us. And then there are things that are also unique. Things that are also from the activity of God, but they're specific and individual to each one of us. So as I begin to sort through these things, my heart said something like this. Thanks is due to God for his creating power. That we have We have breath in our lungs that he has created us, that you and I are here, that he spins the planets in motion. He knows the hairs that are on our head. Scripture says that he weighs the mountains in a balance and a hill and the hills in a pair of scales. So a universal thing to be thankful for is his power, but then his grace and his love that through his son, Jesus Christ, we can be forgiven of our sin. The life, death, and resurrection of Jesus has welcomed us back into relationship with the Father. And so we're thankful that from the nature of God, his love and his grace has welcomed us back into relationship with him. But then also his presence. His presence. Scripture says that, that he's with us. He doesn't leave us or forsake us. So these are some of the deeper universal things that, we were, that I wrote out in my journal to be thankful for. But then I began to think about unique things. Starting with my wife, Sarah. My two boys my immediate family and my friends, and then my my church. Gosh, guys, I'm so thankful for 12 Stones. And I saw that if I began to write these out, the landscape of my life begins to get really clear and joy begins to rise. And what I love about this is you have some of the heavier, weightier things of power, grace, and God's presence, and then my wife and my children, my family, and my church. But then you can get really thankful for some of the lighthearted things. And maybe you'll amen me on this one, but I'm just thankful for coffee. And fall weather, and football, and ribeye steaks, I'm, and Christmas songs. I'm thankful for these things. And when you intentionally begin to comb through your life with thankfulness, you begin to see the layers upon layers of God's common universal grace and his specific unique grace in your life. And you realize how endless his goodness really is. Pastor and author John Piper says it like this. God is always doing 10,000 things in your life and you are usually aware of three or four of them. So it matters that we would not forget what God has done in our lives, but we remember what he's done for us and what he's currently doing. And maybe that's why universal and unique matters because it helps us think through all the things that God is doing in our lives. So we wanna remember, we wanna grow joy through Thanksgiving by remembering, but also by returning by returning, returns us to a healthy perspective of God, yourself, your circumstances, and others. That's what Thanksgiving does. Thanksgiving brings you back to a better understanding of God and what he is doing in your life every day and every moment. Back over to Psalm 100, back at the other page, verse three. You see David is adjusting his perspective of God and he's returning to what is true. Verse three, know that the Lord is God. It is he who made us and we are his. We are his people, the sheep of his pasture. David knew that before he could access joy, he would have to return to a right view of God. He'd have to say, God, you're holy, you're higher, you're perfect, you're powerful, and I belong to you. The power's not mine, but the power is yours. And as he began to put God where God belongs in his perspective, and he put himself where, where he belongs in his perspective, joy gets a little bit closer because when our perspective is, is, is right, joy is not far off. But if our perspective is out of order, discontentment is not far off. 
For many of you, you grew up with the philosophical musings and aha moments of a Dr. Brown, Charlie Brown. And when I was uh, preparing for the teaching, I stumbled on this old Peanuts comic strip that I think gives us a perspective. Uh, it kind of teaches us a little bit about perspective and how important it is in our lives in specific circumstances. The, the comic strip's gonna be on the screen. I'll read it for us. Charlie Brown, a penny, rats. Why couldn't I have found a nickel? Why do things like that always happen to me? And Lucy walks up as Charlie Brown walks away frustrated. Gee, he found a penny. I saw him. He found a penny. Why don't things like that ever happen to me? You see the importance of perspective in this cartoon, don't you? Discontentment rushes to frustration while a thankful perspective rushes to joy. And you've been there before. I've been there before. When you carry this discontent attitude in your life, how quickly you can be annoyed and frustrated and even angry about your circumstances or someone in your life, or, or whatever the case may be, how quickly you get frustrated and annoyed when we carry around this discontentment. But if we carry a thankful disposition, we rush to joy, even with the small things like a penny, because God is good all the time, and sometimes he's showing you that through a penny-sized blessing. But for Charlie Brown, he thinks, the penny is no longer enough for me. I'm on to bigger and better things. Nickels. I need more. And he forgets the value of the penny. You know, and certainly there was a time in Charlie Brown's life where a penny was exciting to him. But how quickly penny-sized things lose their luster and their excitement in our lives. See, the value of the penny had not changed for Charlie Brown throughout his life. And the value of the penny certainly wasn't different from Lucy to Charlie. The perspective of the penny is what was different. Discontentment is not an issue of the value of the things in your life. It is an issue of the perspective of your life. Until we get discontent settled in our soul, we'll never be able to be content. The next and the new turns into the old and the mundane really fast if discontentment is the issue on the inside. But what if joy isn't going to be found in the thing that you're currently chasing or asking for, but would simply be found in a renewed perspective of the blessings that you already have in your life. The grand universal size blessings that we have in our lives, like God's grace and love and his presence, but then also in the unique, subtle, quiet, penny-sized blessings in our lives. We can begin to unlock joy when we begin to have that type of perspective in every little corner of who we are. It's there where I hope that God would, would take me and, and my family, and we're trying to work through this in, in our kids, even with Thanksgiving this past week, we kind of resurfaced some of these thoughts. And I, I have a, a three-year-old named Bear. And, uh, and Bear, we're trying to teach him how to be thankful. We're trying to teach him uh, what it would mean. And so we know that Thanksgiving helps train his heart and his mind on how to view God. And so every night we have a bedtime routine and it's become routine and we're trying to kind of breathe some new life into it. But every night we go about 745, we begin the journey of trying to convince him that it's bedtime. And so convincing has shifted a little bit into threatening. And by 8 p.m., it is bedtime. We go upstairs, we, we brush his teeth, we put, him on, uh, put his pajamas on him, and we put him uh, in his room. We grab his little brother, we grab a book, and we read it, and then we pray. And we used to ask Bear a question like this. Hey, buddy, what do you want to pray for? 
And what we notice is when we ask him the question, what do you want to pray for? His answers tended to start with me, mine, and mine. He'd pray for things like my cookies or my boo-boo or my toys or even my dinosaurs. And we don't mind to pray for those things, but we learned that Thanksgiving helps train his mind to think about God. And we begin to ask him a question like this. Hey, who are you thankful for? Or what are you thankful for? And he began to pray for, for us, for his brother, for his grandparents, even for his church. And that small, subtle shift in, in how we ask the question helped train his mind to think about God. And we see that Thanksgiving returns us to a healthy perspective of God. You see it, perspective matters. So we want to remember, we want to return. And then the final thought is right size. Grow joy through Thanksgiving by right-sizing. And this is closely tied to, to a shift in perspective, but it's more practical. This is when we begin to live in the reality of what God has done. And we begin to see what he has done is more important than what we don't have. I'll ask it like this. What wins emotionally and spiritually in your life? What wins? Is it what's missing in your life or is it the activity of God that weighs more for you? Man, we can feel that what's missing is winning. But God uses scripture. He teaches us. We see it in Psalm 103. So back over to Psalm 103, where David is using thanksgiving to right-size truth over discontentment in his life. Psalm 103. I'm going to read all five verses. I'm going to hit verses one and two again. He says, praise the Lord, my soul. All my, all my inmost being, praise his holy name. Praise the Lord, my soul, and forget not all of his benefits, who forgives all your sins and heals all your diseases and redeems your life from the pit and crowns you with love and compassion, who satisfies your desires with good things so that your, new, your youth is renewed like the eagles. You know, David is literally preaching to his soul. Honest, honest moment. How many of you would say that you talk to yourself pretty often? Maybe you're riding in the car and you're talking to yourself and you're at a red light and you're just hoping that somebody that sees you thinks you're speaking into your Bluetooth. <laughs> and by the way, if you just said, I don't talk to myself, you just talk to yourself, so welcome to the party. <laughs> but David begins to preach to himself. He begins to preach these truths to himself and he's not being polite. He is telling his soul, hey, get it together. Praise the Lord. He preaches to himself and then he lists the things that he's thankful for. God forgives, he heals, he redeems, he crowns, and he satisfies. And the thanksgiving begins to pull out the active goodness of God in his life. And that begins to be the thing that swells. And the goodness and the truths of God get elevated over the problems and the discontentment. So I want to do something. I want to bring this into real life using this passage of Scripture. I want to compare and contrast a feeling of discontentment with a right-sized truth. And you can do this in your life to help right-size some of the discontentment areas that you're dealing with. The first, uh, maybe a, a feeling of discontentment would be something like, I've screwed up too much in my life. A right-sized truth says, God forgives all my sins. Or my body is breaking down. Sickness, cancer, age. But God heals all my diseases. If not in this life, then for eternity. 
if I have a relationship with Jesus, or I feel alone, and scripture says that God redeems my life from the pit, you're not in the darkness by yourself anymore, or I'm just not good enough, and scripture says God crowns you with joy and love and compassion, and then I don't have enough right sides with the truth that God satisfies your desires with good things. Do you see it? how there is a right-sizing truth for every feeling of discontentment in our lives. But it's going to take us waking up and learning how to preach truths to ourselves, knowing that discontentment and joy are not first issues of circumstances, it's first in the soul. And Thanksgiving right-sizes the soul over physical, right-sizes spiritual truths over earthly concerns. Believe today that God is for your joy. And if you're in a discontent season, what would it look like to break through discontentment with joy through thanksgiving by remembering, returning, and right-sizing? Knowing that discontentment has to get settled on the inside before it's settled anywhere on the outside. And I know some of you are thinking, well, Thanksgiving's not going to add any more dollars to my bank account. It's not going to immediately remove the, the sting of loss when losing somebody I love, or it's not going to immediately change my circumstances in my job. But Thanksgiving leads us to joy and better walk through the not okay seasons with joy than without it. I think God would want us to lean into that today remembering him for his activity in our lives, for the penny-sized moments of activity in our lives so we begin to pick up the pennies again to the universal-sized things in our lives where he's given us his love and his grace and his power. And if we can do that, we can become joyful people. Let me pray for us. Father, I pray that in a moment like this, that you would unlock joy in our hearts, that it would start with Thanksgiving, that Thanksgiving would not just be a cliche thing that we talk about once a year, but we'd feel the, the, the weight of this in our hearts and in our lives, that if we could grow in thankfulness, we would also grow in joy. Settle this in our souls, God, that it is, it is an issue of perspective before it is an issue of circumstance. Yeah you're always good. And as that passage of scripture says in Psalm 100, your love endures forever. And if we can settle our souls on that type of truth, God, oh man, we would unlock new seasons of joy in our lives. When everything's not okay and everything's not fine, we know that you can bring joy. And oftentimes it comes through thankfulness. And it's your name we pray, Jesus. Amen.